Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring Curiosity Stream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com. When I was three, my family migrated to the U.S. We lived a comfortable life, and I had a happy childhood. My parents were a bit superstitious, so we had a few strange traditions, and they would always tell me stories about capres, aswangs, manananggals, tikbalangs, and tianaks, and the like. Filipino monsters always seemed scarier to me than Western ones. It might be because whenever my parents talked about them, they made it sound like they had first-hand experiences with the creatures. They probably just did it for dramatic effect. We moved back to the Philippines when my grandmother got sick. I was only 16 at the time, and I had to readjust to a new way of living. She died three years after we had moved there, but we decided to stay. My grandmother lived in the province, so everything was completely different from what I was used to. My neighbors would always go back into their homes before dark, there were no town curfews set in place, but they did it anyway. I was taught to say tabby tabby po any time I passed by an anthill or a big tree. Whenever my friend visited, he would yell tau po at the door. We weren't allowed to sweep the floor at night. Basically, there was a long list of things we should or shouldn't do. I never really understood why everyone found these things so important. I just followed along out of respect but I wouldn't necessarily call myself a believer. So when I finally moved to the city for college, I was more than ready to live a life without all the weird superstitious beliefs. That was a few years ago. I recently graduated with a degree in marketing. I also met my fiancé, Myra, in college, and I was finally ready to take her home to meet the family. I had no debt, and I already had a job lined up for when I got back to the city. Life was good. Are you sure they're going to like me? My fiancé asked as we were driving to the province. They're going to love you, baby. There's nothing not to love, I reassured her. She gave me a soft smile in return. Myra was born and raised in the Philippines. She's never even left the country. We were extremely different, considering I was pretty westernized. We disagreed a lot. We disagreed on a lot of things in the beginning, but we eventually found some middle ground as we got to learn about each other more. She was more on the conservative side, so a lot of the things I was used to bothered her. Let's just say when she found out I watched porn, there was a lot of screaming, and not the good kind. Maybe a bit of the good kind when the fight ended, but we got past all that and got to a pretty good place. I was proud of how much our relationship grew. There were a few other strange things about her, but I didn't really mind too much. Sometimes, in the middle of the night, she'd go to the bathroom for a half hour or so, I rarely noticed her get up, but when I did, she would just tell me she had stomach problems. Another thing was how she always wore this weird necklace. She never took it off, not even in the shower or when she went to sleep. But those were just little things I eventually got over. We're here, I said as I parked the car. I unloaded our luggage and headed towards the door of my grandparents' house. My mother greeted me and my father took our bags inside. Luis? Who is this? My mom inquired upon seeing Myra behind me. Ma, this is Myra. 
And we have something important to tell you, but we'll need the rest of the family too, I said eagerly. Myra smiled at her and gave her a small wave. It's nice to meet you, ma'am. For some reason, my mom didn't look so pleased. She pulled me inside and whispered, I don't like her, Anak. She has no manners. What are you talking about? She just got here and you haven't even gotten to know her yet. Anak, listen to me. That woman will bring nothing but misfortune to us all. I can't believe you're saying all this right now. At least give her a chance. I walked toward Myra, took her hand, and practically stormed into the house. My whole family was there. My father, brothers, sister, grandfather, cousins, and my aunts and uncles. They all looked surprised to see me drag some unfamiliar woman into the house. Everyone, I'd like you to meet Myra. She's my fiancé, I announced. My announcement received mixed reactions. Mostly confusion. My sister, Clara, was the first one to speak up. She plastered a huge grin and said, Well, welcome to the family. Clara walked over to Myra and intended to give her a hug but was stopped short. I'm sorry, but I'm not too big on physical contact. What with COVID, uh, monkeypox and all that. But I appreciate the gesture. Myra stated and gave her a smile instead. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, totally. Everyone else followed suit with her congratulations, and we ended the day with a family dinner. We had some champagne to celebrate the news of our engagement as well. My mother remained quiet the whole time, but we had a good time nonetheless. At around 3.15 that night, Myra had gone to the bathroom again at some point. I tried to go back to sleep, but I heard a strange fluttering noise in the backyard. I went outside to investigate. I know, I know. Big horror movie trope. The Asian dude goes somewhere alone and dies first. But my life wasn't a movie, so I didn't see the harm. I saw Myra standing behind a wall. It looked like she was observing something. I inched closer to see what she was staring at. What I saw would forever be burned into my memory, like hot iron branding a mark right onto the surface of my brain. I thought it was a chopped up log or something at first, but then I saw the legs, and it started to move ever so slightly. It was the lower half of a human body. I nearly screamed at the sight, but Myra saw me and shoved her hand onto my mouth. She gestured to me to go back inside and lock the door behind us. Once we were inside, she put a finger to her lips as if to say, quiet. She disappeared into the kitchen to grab me a glass of water and help me back into the bedroom. Luis, I need you to listen very carefully. What you just saw, you weren't supposed to see that. But there are creatures far beyond our understanding that share this world with us. Sometimes they walk this earth like they're one of our own. Myra explained to me as I occupied myself with drinking from my glass. Look, the province, it's different here. The culture is heavily influenced by superstition. A lot of that culture is lost in the city. It's safer there because of the number of people and the lack of belief. While being superstitious can help the people in the province in some way, since they know how to ward them off, their belief is also what gives these creatures power, she continued. So, what? What was that thing? I asked her, still in shock from the sight I had seen earlier. I think you know. Your parents told you, right? The stories of beautiful women who turn into monsters at night. The ones whose bodies split in half. The upper half going off to feed on its prey. The Nanangal. Yes. They're one of the more dangerous ones, especially to people like us. Like us? We're about to be newlyweds. 
They usually feed on pregnant women and newlyweds, but they're not limited to that. Sometimes it could just be someone who fell asleep with their window open. Why newlyweds? Pregnant women makes more sense, I guess. I know monsters tend to like fetuses. I'm not sure. They are a lot of different iterations. One of the more popular ones states that they were left at the altar, so they seek out new grooms or grooms-to-be. I think that's why your mother wasn't too keen on the idea of us getting married. She knows who the Mananangal is, probably trying to protect it. Why would she try to protect one? They're monsters. Not really. It's more complicated than that. You see, they're human at first, or at their core would be more accurate. It's kind of like a parasite or an infection. What do you mean? Legend says there's a chick inside a Mananangal. It's created inside another Mananangal and given to women to eat to pass on the infection. How do you kill one? It's not that easy. You can't kill the actual Mananangal because the chick would still be alive. You can, however, get rid of the chick and therefore get rid of the infection, but again, not that easy. So we just have to find out who it is and get rid of the, uh, the chick? If it's someone your mother knows, then she probably knows this method, but hasn't been able to execute it. You have to catch the upper half of the Mananangal, tie it upside down to a tree, and make it vomit out the chick. I can see why she hasn't been able to do it yet, but with the proper help of materials, she can probably pull it off. Do you have the proper materials? Well, not yet, but I can gather them. I'll need help from an albularo, and maybe two other people. I had a difficult time processing all this information. Honestly, I couldn't even believe I was having this conversation. I thought I would just wake up the next day and this would all have just been some terrible nightmare. But it wasn't. The next day, right after breakfast, Myra was asking around about an albularo. Some sort of witch doctor who practices folk healing. My mom was still avoiding me. I also wanted to go right up to her face and tell her that I knew her secret. But Myra told me I should hold off on telling my mom, until she's fixed the problem. I know that my mother was just trying to protect me, but I couldn't get over the fact she was also trying to protect this thing. By midnight, we were staking out in a little shed we had in the backyard to reveal the identity of the Mananangal. I thought I was shocked the first time, but to say I was unprepared for what I saw tonight would be an understatement. Who is that? Do you know her? Myra asked me. Yes. Uh, it's my grandmother. After we found out the identity of the Mananangal, we decided to go through with our first plan of expelling the chick and possibly ending Lola's misery. Myra said she needed a few more days because she hadn't found an albularo yet at that time. She'd already gathered most of the materials she needed, thick rope that's been steeped in vinegar for 13 days, unrefined sea salt, water that's been blessed by a priest, and some garlic. Just ordinary garlic. We also needed to find a ballet tree and douse it in the holy water. A lot of you asked why Myra knows so much. Apparently, she's been doing this for years. When she was born, she was given a gift to be able to see things normal people could not. She refers to it as her third eye. According to her, everybody has one, but they're normally closed. She was born with her third eye open. Her parents figured this out when she was a child, so they gave her an anting-anting to wear for her protection against evil spirits. 
It's the weird necklace I was talking about in my first post. It's hard to miss since it looks unusual. It's why my mother was superstitious of her when they met. My mother has always been the superstitious one in the family. Her siblings didn't really care much for that sort of thing, so they didn't understand the significance of Myra's necklace. As for why Myra disappears in the middle of the night, she explained that she was trying to protect me. She can sense negative energy, so whenever she sensed a being with evil intentions, she would perform rituals to exorcise them. I'm sure you know sleepers are familiar with the witching hour, and so why she did this at specific hours during the night. She felt like she had an obligation to protect those around her, since she's been blessed with this gift. I told her other people are not her responsibility, and she responded with something along the lines of, It's my God-given purpose. I've been an atheist for years now, but I respect other people's beliefs, so I decided not to argue with her on that. Now that I've answered all your burning questions about Myra, I'll get back to my update. I'm sure you're all dying to know about my grandmother. After we had everything we needed, Albulario included, all that was left was the ritual. Remember my friend who said Talpo whenever he visited? Turns out he's pretty superstitious, so when I asked him to help us catch a Mananangal, he didn't even hesitate. He seemed excited, even. We'll call him Juan, since he asked me not to reveal his identity here. Mine and Juan's task was difficult. We were supposed to catch the upper half of Lola's body, I'd never even gone hunting before, so I wasn't too sure if I'd be able to capture a flying monster. Myra assured me that the sea salt and garlic would weaken her, and we'd just have to tie her up with the vinegar-steeped rope. Yes, just tie up a Mananangal upside down on some supposedly magical tree. Sounds simple enough, right? We used blood to lure my grandmother to a clearing by the bullet tree. I heard what sounded like humongous wings flapping around, and I knew what I had to do. Seeing her like that again was heartbreaking. Lola used to have such a warm and welcoming face, but now it was distorted, and almost didn't even look like her. Her complexion was almost gray. Her eyes were bloodshot and her pupils were dilated. The veins in her face were black and protruding, as if they could pop out and come alive at any moment. Her mouth looked too big for her face with long and razor-sharp teeth. The skin around her mouth was red like it had been irritated from stretching too far beyond what it was supposed to. Her wings looked like that of a bat's, but much, much bigger. At the end of her torso, I could see her gut spilling out, barely hanging on to the rest of her. Even from the sky, I could smell this horrible stench coming from her. It was a mixture of a metallic scent, presumably the blood of her victims, and rot. I didn't want to look but I had a job to do. As she descended, I threw the sea salt and crushed garlic mixture at her, and she fell to the ground. Juan and I quickly worked on tying her up. Her screams were horrific. It was a combination of something deep and raspy, as well as her own voice. She looked at me, and I thought I saw a moment of recognition in her eyes. Please, Apo, do not let them do this to me, my grandmother pleaded. I'm sorry, Lola. It has to be done. Her face contorted with rage. Terrible, horrendous rage that I could feel reverberating throughout my entire body. It was unnerving. Walla, ka, talagang, cuenta. She snarled at me for the non-Filipinos reading this. She basically called me a worthless piece of crap. 
I tried to focus on the task at hand instead. We hoisted her upside down on the tree as she screeched. She would alternate between sounding helpless and sounding completely deranged. Her unsettling behavior combined with the revolting scent made me sick, but I had to help her. The albulario walked toward us, carrying some concoction he had cooked up to supposedly make my grandmother vomit out the chick. Please, please stop, a familiar voice yelled out, interrupting our ritual. It was my mom. She was running toward us, clearly out of breath. She was never very athletic. If you do this, you will kill her, Ma explained. Kill her? I thought she'd been dead for years and somehow got turned into this monster, I said confused. You don't understand, Anak. You're Lola, she was very sick. I did what I had to do. My mother was screaming at this point. Ma, what are you saying? The chick, it healed her. If you do this, she'll just be human again. She'll just be sick again. She won't survive. Ma then went on to explain how she and her siblings faked my grandmother's death. The chick has been passed down to generations as a family heirloom. Lola was never interested in becoming a Mananangal, but she kept her for future generations. I don't really understand her reasons for this, but then again, I don't understand a lot of things people do in the province. When Lola got sick, they urged her to eat the chick to regain her strength. She refused, saying she wanted to die as a human being, that she didn't want to mess with that kind of black magic. But her children were not ready to let her go. So they forced her to eat it. My mother was the only one who knew about the chick at first, since it was to be passed down to her, as she was the firstborn daughter. When she told her siblings she knew a way to save their mother, they told her to do whatever it took. The grown-ups were all in on it. They told everyone in town that my grandmother had died, to avoid suspicion. They hid her in my uncle's house during the day and allowed her to go off to feed at night. I don't know how to explain it, but I felt betrayed. The family I had known and loved were not the people I thought they were. They almost seemed more terrifying than the monster hanging by the tree. For context, all our houses shared the same backyard, and she would leave the lower half of her body there when she went out to hunt. Filipinos don't normally leave their family home, but as my uncles and aunts had more children, it got too cramped. They decided on a compromise and built houses on the same property instead. Lola had a closed casket funeral, except there was nothing in there. Me, my siblings, and my cousins had no idea. At the time, we just thought her condition had rendered her corpse to look unpresentable. We didn't know we were mourning an empty coffin. I was angry, hurt, and disgusted. I'm sorry. I didn't know what else to do. There was a way to save her, and so I did, my mother said. Save her? You didn't freaking save her. You blatantly went against her wishes, I yelled back. Language, Anak. Screw that. You're all sick in the head. Myra decided to chime in and try to calm me down. Luis, I think we should save this for another time. Your mother might just need time to grieve and accept the situation. Are you actually siding with her on this? I couldn't believe what she was saying. We already have everything we need, and catching a Mananangal isn't exactly a walk in the park. I'm not siding with her. I just understand what it's like to lose a loved one. Just give her more time, okay? I looked at her with disgust. I know what it's like to lose a loved one, but there is absolutely no justifiable reason for what my mother and her siblings did to my grandmother. 
If you freaks want to let this abomination go free and feed on innocent people, I'm not going to be a part of it. I stormed out of there. I don't know what they did with the Mananangal, but I'm assuming they didn't go through with their ritual. I locked myself in my bedroom that night and haven't spoken to anyone since. Myra has been trying to talk to me, but I didn't want to see her. She would stand outside the door and ask me to let her in so we could talk. I never responded to her. I'll leave some food in here in case you're hungry. When you're ready to talk, just let me know, she said. I heard her set down a tray on the floor and walk away. I'm not sure what I should do at this point. Am I overreacting? Am I being needlessly difficult? Should I just let Lola be a Mananangal? Hello again. Sorry it's taken me so long to record this update. Thank you for sticking with me since my first post. I finally made my decision on what to do about Lola, so I'm recording this. But first let me tell you about what happened in the past few days. Some of you suggested talking to my grandmother during the day, so I went ahead and did that. It was a bit of a hard conversation. It was a bit hard to convince my family to let me see her during the day, since they knew I didn't agree with what they did. They eventually gave in and I was able to speak with her. Oh, Apo, I didn't know you were in town, Lola said to me as I entered her room. She looked worse than I imagined, as if all the light and life in her had been drained. She had lost a lot of weight, and her skin looked like it was just barely hanging onto her bones. Her eyes were sunken and had dark circles around them. It was clear to me then that my family didn't care what kind of state she was in, just that she was alive. Yeah, uh, sorry it took me so long to come see you, Lola. Um, how are you doing? I asked hesitantly. I've seen better days. Do you know what they did? She frowned slightly. Yes. I asked them not to. How did you know about this? I saw you last night. I was trying to expel the chick from your body. She turned to look outside the window. There was a long pause before she responded. I love my children. I know they had good intentions in the beginning, but they need to let me go. My time on this earth should have ended a long time ago. Is there anything I can do to help? Kill me. Her request stunned me. It took me a moment to think of an appropriate response. What? Do the expelling ritual. Let that chick die in the sun and leave my body to die along with it. Nobody should have access to that kind of magic. I shouldn't have kept it with me. Screw tradition and trying to appease my ancestors. <coughs> Get rid of the damn thing. I was surprised to hear my grandmother use this kind of language. I think she was just so done with everything at this point. Although it's understandable, given everything my family has put her through. And don't tell those entitled brats about your plan, Lola continued. Okay, I'll do it. I have everything I need for the ritual, I replied, determined to help my grandmother end this nightmare of a curse. I headed back to my bedroom to see if Myra had returned at some point to stash the materials in there. Luckily for me, she did. It was all in a black duffel bag, practically begging to be used. I stuffed it in my empty suitcase that had one of those combination locks. I was getting hungry, so I decided to go to the kitchen to fix something up. Myra was there, grabbing a drink from the fridge. I still didn't want to talk to her, so I tried sneaking away. Food can wait. 
Louise? I heard her call after me. Oh, hey, Myra. Uh, hey, didn't see you there. I said as I turned back around to look at her. She rolled her eyes at me. Honey, lying was never your strong suit. Anyway, we need to talk. About the wedding? Yeah, there's this, there's this cake that I... Can you stop trying to avoid the subject, please? I sighed. Babe, I get it, okay? You understand where my family is coming from, which I personally think is stupid, so there's nothing to talk about. Let's just agree to disagree. I do get where they're coming from, but it doesn't mean I agree with what they did. What they did to your grandmother and to you, your siblings, your cousins, it wasn't right. I just wanted to give them some time to process the fact that they're going to lose their mother for good now. Does that mean you're still going through with a ritual? Yes, in a few days. Things have changed now. I spoke to Lola. I told Myra about my grandmother's request and I planned to execute it. She didn't like the idea of being a part of actually killing somebody, but she agreed to help. Although she wasn't exactly enthusiastic about it. To be fair, neither was I. We waited for midnight for Lola to come out, as usual, and started towards the clearing near the bullet tree. My heart was pounding in my chest, threatening to jump out of my ribcage as we walked for her to take the as we waited for her to take the bait. I wasn't sure if this was going to go well, since we didn't have anyone else with us. I was tempted to just go back home to this city and forget this all happened. But I couldn't let innocent people die. I had a responsibility to this town now, and it was weighing me down like a sack of bricks. We spotted Lola around a half hour later, her large wings creating a breeze above us. I threw the salt-garlic mixture at her and down she went just like last time. Myra and I tried to tie her up, but it proved to be more difficult this time around. My grandmother struggled against Myra's grasp, shrieking as she thrashed around. Ow! Myra yelled. Lola had bitten her arm and blood started to gush out. I let go of the rope in a panic and Lola took this opportunity to grab a handful of my hair. Leave me alone, the creature howled in a fiendish voice. I searched around in my pocket for the salt-garlic mixture with my free hand, Fortunately, I still had a bit left. Shut the hell up, freak. You literally asked for this, so just... I threw the mixture at her face and continued. Calm down. Lola let out the most horrific scream as she went down once more. I got on top of her to pin her down as Myra tied her up. We hoisted her up the tree while she yelled in protest. Are you okay? I asked Myra as I grabbed the first aid kit from my backpack. Yeah, it just stings a little. Myra said and let out a dry chuckle. She always tried to seem tougher than she actually was. I applied pressure to the wound with a piece of gauze to stop the bleeding and disinfected it with some antiseptic. Is this like a normal wound or are mushrooms going to start popping out of your arm now? I asked, trying to lighten the mood a little. Nah, it's going to be fine. The only real threat is a potential infection, but you already made sure that wouldn't happen. She smiled warmly at me. Damn, I only just then realized how much I missed her. I know I was the one who was avoiding her, but in my defense, I was caught up in the whole Menon and Gaul business. I forgot what normal lives we used to lead before all this. But it wasn't the time to reminisce. We needed to end this once and for all. I grabbed the concoction from the duffel bag and walked toward the creature hanging from the tree. I'm so sorry this happened to you, Lola. You deserve so much better, I said to her. I spilled the concoction into her already, open mouth. 
She tried to spit it out at first, but you know that thing you do to dogs to make them swallow a pill? I don't really know how else to describe it, but that's what I did. My grandmother snarled at me as I forced her to swallow the magical drink that would inevitably be the death of her. She started throwing around profanities in Filipino, but I decided to ignore her. She eventually vomited out the chick, and it fell to the ground. I kicked it away from her in case she tried anything. It was a disgusting little thing, covered in bile and mucus. It looked like a regular chick, except it had black feathers and red eyes. Now we wait. I started to get sleepy at around 4am, but I needed to wait this thing out. Kinda hard to do when you're exhausted from trying to tie up a monster to a tree. I brought some snacks in my bag if you're hungry, Myra said as she handed me a piece of bread wrapped in paper towel. Oh, thank God. I practically yanked the thing out of her hand and devoured it in one bite. You should get some rest. I can stay and watch until sunrise. Maybe for a few minutes. I don't know what happened after that. I may have passed out. By the time I woke up, Myra was gone, and so was the chick. I could only see what remained of the upper half of Lola's body. It had been around an hour since sunrise, give or take, so it was mostly just ash. I ran to the house to check on the lower half, hoping to run into Myra at some point. It was in the same state as the upper half by the time I arrived. Everyone was still asleep, so I had a few minutes to try to think of what to say to them when they would inevitably discover what I had done. I decided to search for Myra in the meantime. I looked just about everywhere, but I couldn't find her. Maybe the chick dried up before the body did, since it was smaller, but that wouldn't explain why Myra had gone missing. I eventually gave up and headed back home to get some sleep. I think my father got the gist of what happened. The lower half of the Mananangal was gone and there were no traces of ashes. As per usual, they decided to sweep it under the rug. Or trash can. Ah, jokes. My mother glared at me as I walked by her in the living room, but I was honestly too tired to care. I just wanted to sleep and look for Myra once I had gotten enough rest. I woke up at around 3 a.m. and decided to continue my search. As you might remember, Myra often went out at odd times in the middle of the night. I wandered the streets and ended up in a dark alley. I had hoped to find her somewhere, doing her ghost hunting thing. What I found instead was the lower half of a human body. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 